Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to a new episode of the Phoenix MMA podcast. Um, it's a nice Friday. It's been uh, warm all week. So uh, thanks for everybody coming and training when it's hot. I know it's easier to uh, stay in the house uh, when it's when it's hot, especially it's humid. I think earlier this week it was uh, the the um the the feel with the humidity was 105 degrees so thanks for everybody coming this week and uh, putting some hard work in and um yeah hopefully you uh enjoy this podcast and uh if you're if you're sore and achy and you're feeling beat up right now um hopefully this podcast helps you out and um and if you're wondering with uh, whether you're doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or MMA or Muay Thai, again, this is going to be combat sports, uh, deload for combat sports, confessions of an overtrainer. Um, this will be, uh, hopefully it'll help you out, uh, especially if you really, really like Jiu-Jitsu or you really, really like to box or wrestle or all these things. Um, they're a lot of fun. Uh, when people first start with the gym, lots of times they get super, super excited. Um, and I, I usually recommend to start out with two or three days a week to start out and, um, and just take your time. Now, plenty of people, I totally understand it. You're so excited when you first start. And people will start with a five, six day a week uh, workload, and then uh, sometimes they will they'll either lead themselves to uh, you know we actually we haven't had uh, really big injuries in the gym, but uh, what'll happen is little nagging injuries or uh, tendonitis, uh, rib cage sore, you know neck sore things like that, and um, and then they'll have to take you know two or three weeks off to rest. Um, or, you know, whether they have to or not, just, just will take two or three weeks off uh, to rest. So hopefully this podcast helps you out so that you can train uh, into a late age with, um, with everything, uh, train into late age, and, um, and uh, stay consistent because you want to remember it's, uh, uh, it's, it's the tortoise and the hare. It's uh, 100%. It's a, it's a game of compound interest and, um, and trying to get better uh, uh, slow increments over time, small increments over time. Uh, the natural, you know, microwave culture is we want to get things really, really fast. And, um, and I actually really enjoy when, when we have people that come to the gym. I, I love, um, I think attitudes are contagious, definitely. So when I think uh, when somebody comes in that has a really uh, good work ethic, and very driven. I love it. It's I'm I'm really excited to always have uh, new additions to the gym of people with a, a high drive, high work ethic. Um, uh, as long as you know you're a good person, you're you're polite to people, you're cordial to people. And, you know when you shake hands, you know it's game on. And then once the match is over, you shake hands, you're back to you know back to normal society. Hey, how's it going? Good. You know, good match. Thanks for the push. So um, I really really. Uh, individuals like that um, are a real, real good asset to to the gym and to the team. So I'm always uh, looking for more people that that have that mindset. Um, but with that being said, if you have that mindset, you're uh, you work very hard, you're very diligent, you're very focused. Uh, lots of times, there's a couple little psychological things that can get you. You tend to be um, hard on yourself, uh, tend to overwork. Um, tend to overtrain and uh, tend to I- ignore uh, injuries or, or little nagging things and stuff. Um, so hopefully this podcast helps you out. And because uh, again, longevity is the game. Um, you know, you gotta think if uh, if you're looking at either Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt, it's not gonna happen in a year. It's not gonna happen in two years. It's not gonna happen in three years. Um, it's definitely a long term game. So so you want to be smart with your training. And uh, the name of the game is. Uh, Long, long-term, small increment growth over a long uh, term, and that will get you to the the point that you're looking for. Um, you don't want to be that flash in the pan. You know, work really hard for two months, three months, and then have to take two or three months off. 
two or three months um, because every time you, know, you take two steps forward and you're taking two steps back and you're just you're just spinning your wheels and it's it's going to frustrate you even more. So, um, so now the the tricky thing is if you don't have that um, the the other side of the coin is if you don't have that I'd say like natural workaholic or like overtraining mindset you might have the the other side of this of this where um, you know maybe where you're looking for rest time more often and stuff you might have to you know instill a little self-discipline on yourself inject a little discipline and that's why I really like scheduling and writing down programs for if you're say you're doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu writing down a schedule and a program that you know just match it up to with your work schedule um, something so that you can find like hey just three days a week um, is that too much training for me? Is that too little training for me? Um, so when you measure things and you actually do, you uh, write them down. You can adjust, and um, and you know there there might be a time where you're not happy with your progression, your skill, and your your skill progression, um, and the the sport that you're that you're doing. And then it might say, okay, I need to add 15% onto my workload. Um, you know, 15%. You're in a good spot. You get exci- excited. You'll add another 15%, and then you start to see some of these um, symptoms that I'm going to go over, or some of these things that we're going to go over. And you say, okay, you know what? I'm going to dial it back 10% or 15%. So, and that's going to, that's going to change over time because say with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, um, the thing that's tricky with it is as you become more skillful, um, you become more efficient. So the, the amount of cardio and energy expenditure you're going to do as you get more skillful is going to be lower. Um, so that's going to be the trick is as you get more skillful, you're going to have to turn your workload up or you're going to have to modify some things. Um, maybe you'll, your strength conditioning, you'll add a little bit more too. Um, when you first start, you might have to have a very low uh, level of strength conditioning um, because you're still at that point where your skill level's pretty low so you're you're not very efficient and you're wasting a lot of energy um so it's it's all managing energy um you know if you're if you're an overworker this podcast um is going to give you some little be careful things so you don't burn yourself out or injure yourself or um or just you know just psychologically is actually the biggest one the psychological burnout is the biggest thing that you want to avoid it's no fun when you hit it it's uh it's uh yeah it's no fun when you hit it um, but if you're on the other side and you're like, okay, I'm not a workaholic, I'm not an overworker, you might want to look at the other side and, and um, look at some discipline tools, and I'll, I'll do a podcast on that as well. But the, the biggest thing I'd say is look at the Instagram story, and if you go to the notebook, there's a, there's a story on the, the gym page, and it's titled Notebook. Um, but if uh, with, with all that, where I'm talking about measuring and making your schedule, um, go to the Notebook tab, um, one of the Instagram stories, and... Um, Hit save for the for the gym profile, and on that I explain how to how to make your training notebook so that you can measure. So again, that's if you're you're having frustrations and you feel like you're not developing or growing, um, or your skill development's not coming along the way that you would like to. So, um, but yeah, the deload. Um, so this is going to be uh, concerning. Um, training intensity and uh, overtraining, central nervous system fatigue, um, w- whether these things exist or don't exist, that's real quick, yeah, it definitely exists. Um, and uh, a couple tips and uh, uh, symptoms and signs to look for. And uh, also, if you're, if you're just brand new, um, there's, a, there's a lot of misinformation, a lot of junk stuff that's thrown out. And there's a lot of things from, from I'd say, different sports or different, different realms that, uh, that kind of bleed over or get pushed around. There's a, there's a, and a lot of it, to tell you the truth, is that there are um, YouTube characters um, or Instagram or Facebook characters, um, and they get paid for um, kind of outlandish, like r- ridiculous remarks and, and things. And um, 
And uh, for, for whatever reason, when you're first starting something, uh, a lot of the worst practices are the most attractive. Like um, uh, we were talking about this yesterday in the gym, and I was saying we used to um, – something that we used to do at the gym is we'd have uh, – we'd do suicide sprints. So you'd, you'd run, you know, the, the distance the distance increases every time you touch the mat, and it's a, it's a sprint. And then we'd have to do a round after the suicide sprint, and you'd have to do a round with a fresh opponent. Um, that's a surefire way to just central nervous system fatigue. You're just going to be jacked up and you're actually not getting that much actual skill work. Like our, our, by the time we'd get to our mat work and we were actually training, um, you were spent like, so you were kind of just in survival, kind of like a, a, a fog, like trying to survive. Um, you really couldn't even, uh, move that well. And, uh, so it's as opposed to, um, like, a Americans don't do uh, we have a very hard time winning at the black belt level and uh, one of the biggest things I'll say I, that I noticed from training in the uh, United States and training in Brazil uh, training, training in Brazil was uh, I'd say um, a lot of my practices were I'd say unstructured um, not not a super strict structure like there would there was um, a lot of practice where I'd just show up and would just say all right everybody let's do the warm-ups and then we're just gonna we're just gonna roll that's it we're just gonna roll for an hour or 45 minutes you know after the warm-up that class was just just a sparring session just roll um, but the uh, the United States system is a little bit different. Um, it has more uh, structure to it, um, you know, more guided. And I think structure is actually good. It's not bad. It has more um, it has more guidance to it, more instruction to it. Um, but the the other part that I'll say with the United States training uh, is oftentimes is um, it'll incorporate you know the suicides or sprints or burpees. Um, so the the tricky thing with the skill acquisition is if you're spending everything you have on the uh, the conditioning aspect. I'm a big fan of strength and conditioning, um, but I think they need to be in their their separate times. You need recovery time between your cardio training and your and your your actual skill work, your sport, your sport. We need to practice sport during sport. We need to do strength conditioning during strength conditioning. Um, and, uh, so, cause you need, so you need thousands and thousands of, of hours of mat work, um, to get down, uh, all the fine details and the feeling a lot of jujitsu, you, you, Honestly, with your eyes closed, you you should be able to do it with your eyes closed and just be able to feel it. Like uh, that's that's the tricky thing. So you you need your mind uh, fresh, at least recovered and rested, clear, so that you can uh, pay attention to all those details, so that you can start understanding them and feeling them, so that you can start feeling. If your right hip is laying on somebody's hip, are they gonna shrimp to their left side? Are they gonna shrimp to the right side? Are they gonna bridge over the right shoulder? Um, you know, you have to be able to tell that your hip, your, you know, your right hip, your right butt cheek has to be able to tell your brain that, um, so that it takes a lot of, um, of feeling and getting used to, uh, and the, you know, just takes a lot of actual sport time. Um, so, um, yeah, but when you first start, you'll see a crazy YouTube video. I see it all the time where it's like the, the guys will be hanging from a pull-up bar and it, like a guy will be throwing uh, tie kicks, like throwing round kicks to the guy's abs or something, and the guy's doing leg raises, and then every time the leg goes down, throws a round kick to his abs. Every time I see that, it like, makes me want to rip my hair out. Like, what are, what are you doing? This, is, this does not make sense, okay? This does not make sense. This is not what elite-level athletes are doing. Like, this does not make sense. Um, but for whatever reason, when people first start, they, they eat it up and they love it. Um, yeah, just silly. Um, some of the other advice that you're going to get where um, people will say, they'll, they'll outright say, uh, overtraining doesn't exist. Um, 
Uh, I don't really argue, um, you know, there's, there's no reason to really argue. Um, people can use that model if they want. Uh, the thing I run into is a lot of people that use that model and say overtraining don't exi- does not exist. Um, a couple different things. Lots of them are uh, using PEDs, so performance-enhancing drugs. That's that's probably the, the for a combat sport athlete, that's the biggest advantage of PEDs is the ability to recover. Um, so if somebody's saying that, that overtraining doesn't exist, but they're uh, injecting testosterone, they're on TRT therapy, you know, whatever, Winstraw, whatever, whatever they're using, if they're using any um, drugs to recover, and then, uh, then it's just silly. It's, 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 uh, if, if your, if your testosterone levels are like 3000 nanograms per deciliter and then the person that you're giving advice, their testosterone is 450 nanograms per deciliter. The, what, what are we doing? This doesn't make sense. Um, but people will listen to it. Um, so you gotta understand that sometimes it's going to be PED users giving you that advice. Um, the other thing too, is that, uh, I have never found a, I've never found a legitimate um, person that's involved in in combat sports, wrestling, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai kickboxing, boxing. I've never met one that was that was a high level trainer or high level athlete. Um, and please, if anybody does find it, send me the information because I'd really like to see their. I'd like to see how they break it down. But I've never seen it. Um, from anybody. I've never seen an Olympic coach. I've never seen a UFC champion coach, a jiu-jitsu world champion coach. I've never seen any high level saying, uh, that overtraining doesn't exist. Um, I've, I've, I've never seen it. Uh, but combat sports give you a, a much clearer look and kind of wake up call really quick about overtraining and, uh, and central nervous fatigue and burnout. Um, and, and it's because the, the damage is the, 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 the opportunity for damage is so great. Um, and uh, it's, it's dynamic and at times it's unpredictable. So like anytime that you spar, there's the chance for damage is there. Damage or injury is always there. Um, it's a dynamic, uh, it's not a preset, you know, you're not, you're not doing um, bicep curls where it's a preset exercise. You're focusing on a certain muscle group. Um, and it's, and it is, there's always a, a certain element of being unpredictable. Um, the better you get at sparring, the, of course, the chance of you getting injured uh, and all combat sports are going to go down. And also when you're sparring with somebody that has experience, um, that's the best. That's when you have the lowest chance of injury is both people have, uh, have experience um, and they know the movement patterns. They know how to move properly where they're not going to, you know, step on your toe and, you know, break your toe or, um, you know, randomly, uh, uh, you know, sprain your ankle or something like that from off uh, from from some random movements or something that's just kind of silly that it's not actually effective for fighting but is it effective for um for just a uh a, an annoying uh injury that's gonna that's gonna uh nag you and stuff um but i will see that with um just strength athletes um but it's I, if you're a strength athlete and one if you're using peds it's like disqualified like not good advice um, using PEDs, but also with the overtraining is, um, I have seen it ways where it's, um, it's suggested to train around your injuries, um, or with your overtake, which of course you still do that with uh, combat sports as well. You train around injuries. You don't always take a break. You know, if you're, if your ankles hurt or something like that, it's every, every single, every single scenario is a separate scenario. Every single scenario you have to look at independent. Okay, so one ankle, your ankle being sore uh, one time might require you to rest um, and not train. Your ankle being sore another time might not require actual rest 
but a decelerated um, training uh, week or two weeks. Um, but every there's there's not a there's not a simple. It's actually one of my pet peeves. I can't, I can't stand oversimplifications. Drives me nuts. Okay, uh, people like oversimplifications. But it requires less calories. It's uh, it's it calms anxiety. But the oversimplifications will get you injured, and they they don't give you an, an accurate representation of of a subject. Um, so it just think everything that you're going to have, everything from a finger that is hurt, a wrist, ankle, a rib cage, every single every single incident of soreness or, or training uh, injury or, or um, just fatigue, they're all going to be separate incidents that you have to look at and you have to assess and decide, hey, do I rest or do I train through this? Um, but um, but with the, the overtraining when it comes just to strength, like I had a, I had a low back pull. So my, I had a low back pull recently. Um, it just, you know, just annoying me a little pain and stuff. Um, but I still went and did my, uh, my day when I'm doing pulling exercises. So back exercises, I just didn't do any, uh, lower back exercises. So I just did uh, shoulders and my upper back and, and biceps. So, so I still went to the gym and I trained, but again, that's, that's just in a strength training, uh, realm. It was a gym where the, the weights are balanced. Um, some, some are on machines, some are on, you know, Smith machine to track, some are free weights. Um, but you're, that's where the overtraining, uh, people that say that overtraining doesn't exist. Um, those people usually aren't, um, actually sparring in Muay Thai where someone can do a spinning back kick and accidentally land to your, uh, land the kick on your knee. They didn't mean to, but they landed on your knee and your knee has been swollen for three days. And instead of like resting and, and, uh, being smart with your knee, um, you know, a spinning back kick lands straight on your knee that's been swollen, uh, swollen, and then you get an injury. Um, or because, uh, you know, just central nervous system fatigue, um, you can't, you can't slip punches and, uh, you take a shot on the chin and, um, and it, you know, it rocks you a little bit more than you needed to. Um, so it's like, uh, the people that say overtraining doesn't exist. It's almost, I want to get them to like bench press and as they're bench pressing, have, uh, have someone come over and just wrestle with them or just like at, you know, in the middle of their bench press set, have someone come over and dead or not, uh, sorry, deadlift, but double leg them. And they would say, that's absolutely insane. Of course we're going to get, you know, I'm going to get injured. It's like, okay, well that's not, now you know what a jujitsu class feels like. Okay. You're, you're wrestling weight, uh, another human's body, but, uh, you're rotating flipping folding uh spinning at the same time so it's it's a more dynamic sport and uh and there's there's um there's more um it's just more dynamic so uh so you got to be a little bit more intelligent with it um so you don't injure yourself um so and then the other one too is just so you know like uh the the not worrying not not paying attention to uh, stress levels, cortisol levels, central nervous system fatigue, overtraining. Um, a lot of that's also pushed by like kind of amateur athletes, you know, uh, say bodybuilding, uh, powerlifting. Um, and I don't say amateur in a bad way, just not mainstream. Like ma- mainstream NFL or the Olympics, when it really comes down to where there's a lot of money on the line, where every single person on the field um, is, is worth millions of dollars. Um, the, 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 the focus on, uh, recovery, massage, cryotherapy, um, like deloads or controlling the, the, the training intensity, um, uh, that's like really, really important. You don't, the NFL is not saying there's, there's no such thing as overtraining. I had a friend that played for the Kansas city chiefs and, um, I remember when he told me, he's like, we don't, we don't hit in practice. 
and it, and I was really young when I when uh when he was told me this. But he's like, yeah, we don't hit in practice. He's like, you hit in pee wee football, you hit in middle school, you hit in high school, you hit in college. He's like, we're in the NFL. Every person is worth a lot of money to the team. Um, we're not hitting in practice. We have, we have our game. Uh, you don't want to get injured before a game. Um, so it's like, oh, okay, that's that's interesting. So. When there's a lot of money on the line, um, you're, you're not going to hear athletic trainers uh, saying that. Um, but you might find a YouTube personality uh, who's uh, using uh, using drugs, PEDs, um, who's also trying to sell you T-shirts. You know, maybe it says something uh, nitro nitro boost, uh, invincibility, something like that. They're trying to sell you like a uh, a false persona um, that that's not there. Um, but again, there are there are also good good YouTubers and good. Uh, Good, good information out there too. Um, yeah. So, all right. So now we'll actually get into it. Uh, so we'll go first. Um, we're gonna go nerd mode just for a little bit because I'm a nerd. Um, so we'll just go over central nervous system fatigue. Um, like say say if you're a, a boxer, kickboxer, and you really like uh, Muay Thai, uh, a really good podcast to listen to would be uh, Joe Rogan's podcast with Joseph Valtellini. Um, because he's that's his uh, he was a glory uh, world champion uh, kickboxer. He has a really good breakdown on his on his training regimen. Um, I believe his degree is ex- exercise science. Um, he was a high school teacher uh, when he won a world championship, but he breaks down his training uh, schedule and what he would do. And it's it's kind of funny because Joe Rogan loves gadgets and loves you know widgets and you know hey did you you know sleds or all these different things. Um, Loves those, and when he's asking Valtellini, do you do this? Do you do this? Do you run with sleds? Do you run with parachutes or something like that? And Valtellini breaks down the central nervous system fatigue and the reason why he doesn't do that. And he just talks about, he's like, yeah, if I, if I did sleds on Monday, I'd be spent. My central nervous system would be fatigued all the way until Thursday. So he's like, I'd lose out on all those training sessions. Um, so it's a good perspective um, from somebody who's educated uh, in it. Um, also coming from a kickboxing background, he still does strength training. He won a world championship. And, uh, and he's also giving a uh, honest honest account of how to do it. Um, it's not going to be as flashy, uh, not as flashy. Again, it's not, he's not going to be yelling at you or anything like that. He's just going to give you a clear uh, breakdown on uh, on his training but um but it, it will actually be more valuable uh for you than uh than uh listen to the the opposite the uh the other the other one the flashy with the uh cut off t-shirt and some whatever niche beer or something whatever um with a catchy catchphrase at the, the beginning of the youtube video and the end of the youtube video um uh so central nervous system fatigue uh we'll just go Read this. So, central nervous system fatigue or central fatigue is a form of fatigue that is associated with changes in the synaptic concentration of neurotransmitters within the central nervous system, CNS, including the brain and spinal cord, which affects exercise performance and muscle function and cannot be explained by peripheral factors that affect muscle function in healthy individuals. Central fatigue can occur from prolonged exercise and is associated with neurochemical changes in the brain, primarily involving serotonin, noradrenaline, and dopamine. Central fatigue plays an important role in endurance sports and also highlights the importance of proper nutrition and endurance athletes. Um, go over just a couple of things. Existing experimental methods have provided enough evidence to suggest that, the vari- that variations in synaptic serotonin, noradrenaline, and dopamine are significant drivers of central nervous system fatigue. An increased synaptic dopamine concentration in CNS is strongly 
ergogenic, I think that's what it is, promotes exercise performance. Um, so, you know, having a, a high concentration of dopamine is going to help um, exercise performance. You know that just through your own experience. Like if you wake up fully rested, dopamine gives you that motivated kind of drive feel. Uh, the days that you go into the gym and you're feeling really motivated, really tuned in, sharp, mentally sharp, um, your sessions are better, especially uh, your sparring. Um, probably feels night and day. And you've probably felt the days where your dopamine level is a little bit low, like you're kind of lagging, uh, you're not the most, you know, zestful. Um, and you'll and you'll feel it in your sparring sessions too. That your performance will be a little bit lower. Um, uh, yeah, so you've you've probably felt that one before. Um, serotonin uh, in the brain. Serotonin is a neurotransmitter and regulates arousal behavior, sleep, and mood, among other things. During prolonged exercise, where central nervous system fatigue is present, serotonin levels in the brain are higher than normal. Physiological conditions, these higher levels can increase or can increase perception of effort and peripheral muscle fatigue. The increased synthesis of brain serotonin occurs because of a higher level of tryptophan, the serotonin precursor. Yeah, tryptophan it, uh, turns into serotonin uh, in the blood in which results in larger amounts of tryptophan crossing the blood-brain barrier. An important factor of serotonin synthesis is the transport mechanism of tryptophan across the blood blood-brain barrier. The transport mechanism for its tryptophan is shared with the branched-chain amino acids, leucine, isoleucine, and valine, or valine, however you say it. During extended exercise, BCAAs are consumed for skeletal muscle contraction, allowing for greater transport tryptophan across the blood-brain barrier. Um, so why it's saying it affects your serotonin is uh, um, tryptophan is a precursor to serotonin. Serotonin is important for you, but like everything, if you get too much, it doesn't doesn't feel good. Um, and so what which it's saying with the overtraining is uh, the branched chain amino acids um, they compete with tryptophan across the blood brain barrier. So it's kind of like a natural governing system that slows the amount of serotonin that you're that you're getting. Um, but when um, when you get into that overtrained uh, uh, state or long time, the, the um, your body starts using the branched chain amino acids uh, for uh, skeletal muscle contraction, uh, so that allows the tryptophan to travel in a little uh, more tryptophan to get in. So uh, anyway, dopamine uh, dopamine is a neurotransmitter that regulates arousal motivation muscular coordination and endurance performance among other things so yeah your dopamine like i was saying if you if you're going to the gym and you feel uh, excited motivated um you'll probably also notice that when it's saying muscle coordination and endurance performance you'll probably feel that you're a little bit quicker you can move better um your endurance you, your cardio feels better um but the times that you feel strung out you're you're going to notice your, your your training sessions, maybe your coordination's down, a little bit groggy. Uh, it kind of feels like if your dopamine's low and you're sparring, it feels like you're you're asleep, almost like you're asleep, you're caught like flat-footed. And you're, you're telling your brain like, hey, come on, let's get going, let's get going. Um, but for some reason, it won't listen to you. Um, let's see. Dopamine levels have been found... Uh, to be lower after prolonged exercise, a decrease in dopamine can decrease athletic performance as well as mental motivation. Uh, the mental motivation is the big one. That's the really big one. Uh, dopamine itself cannot cross the blood-brain barrier and must be synthesized within the brain. In rats, bred for running, increased activity of the ventral tegmental area have been observed, and VTA activity correlates with voluntary wheel running. Uh, okay, we'll go on to the next one. 
acetylcholine. Acetylcholine is required for the generation of muscle, uh, muscular force. In the central nervous system, acetylcholine mod modulates arousal and temperature regulation. It also may be a, play a role in central fatigue. During exercise, centrals of acetylcholine drop. This is due to the uh, decrease sorry, in plasma choline levels. Next one, cytokines or cytokines. Cytokines can manipulate neurotransmitters, creating sickness behavior characterized by malaise or and fatigue. In animal models, uh, IL-1B stimulates serotonin release and increases activity of GABA. So GABA chills you out. Um, yeah, so um, let's see. Ammonia, ammonia, increased circula circulating levels of ammonia may alter brain function and result in fatigue. One hypothesized reason that BCAAs fail to increase exercise performance is due to increased oxidation of BCAAs and supplementation that results in increased fatigue, canceling the effects of 5-HT. All right, so got a couple of those things, right? So, um... Uh, the reason why I'm going over this or the, the, you know, going over the central nervous system fatigue and breaking down some of those things, if you're interested in that and you want to go dive deeper into it, uh, I find it really interesting. It's cool. Um, I just, I, I like literally everything that I encounter in my life, I, um, I always want to say why, 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 um, you know, and it's like with an arm bar, it's like it hyperextends and dislocates the elbow. Why? Well, because it does. Like, no, I want to break down why. Um, so if, if you enjoy going deeper into it, it'll help you out. The reason why I like to know why is um, when it comes to overtraining, one of the biggest symptoms that you're going to feel is uh, this. It's your, your, your motivation and your, your excitement for training is going to go down. So to me, when I understand um, how neurotransmitters work and what what neurotransmitters are affected when I train really really hard and I and I end up overtraining myself? Um, it, to me, it helps me out. So I, I don't think that oh no I, I don't um, you know love training anymore. It's, oh, okay, I guess I'm just done with it now. Um, I can kind of talk myself and say okay this is what's going on. You know, dopamine levels are probably low right now. Um, maybe serotonin is too high right now. Um, all these things. So you can kind of as opposed to just saying like yeah the, you know just Chalking it up to just, well, maybe I'm just burned out. You know, maybe I just need to take a month off. Um, no, just give yourself a couple days. Um, let your let your brain reset. Let your body rest and let your body reset. So, anyway, if you want to go further into that. So, um, yeah, central nervous system fatigue. Uh, if you haven't felt it yet, you, you will feel it. And just know that other factors, like all life stresses uh, affect it. If you're still a student and you have a lot of tests that are on you, um, that's going to tax it. Um, if you're a parent, your your children, they're gonna tax it. Your your job, your profession, your career, bills, uh, cars, all that good stuff. Those are those are all gonna tax it. And a lot of people use the gym actually as a uh, as a as a uh, good tool to help you deal with life stress. So um, the the training is gonna help you with life stress. But just know that if you if you get to the point where it's you start getting irritable and you feel like you don't like training, it just means you just need a couple of days just rest. You just need pure rest, um, uh, pure physical rest. Um, instead of instead of doing sprints or lifting and, and throwing punches and kicks or um, you know passing guards, just a couple of days of rest. Not a whole month, not three months, just just a handful of days, and you'll feel much better. But um, some of the symptoms that you're going to feel. Um, 
Uh, decrease performance, that one, quick. You're going to notice it, things that you should be able to do, uh, you can't do, and uh, it's, it's going to be frustrating. Um, why I'm going over this on, as a podcast is so when this happens to you, if you've listened to this, um, you can kind of be like, okay, it's not just me. It's not that I'm terrible. It's not that I suck. Um, it's not that I'm losing it. Um, just so you understand, it's, it's part of overtraining. Decrease performance is going to happen. Um, increase perceived effort during workouts. Um, they're just going to feel harder, uh, more difficult. Um, excessive fatigue, agitation, and moodiness. This is probably the biggest one that hits me. This is how I know that I'm overtrained. Just the agitation and moodiness, agita- agitation over um, everything and anything, like silly, silly things. Uh, things that if um, if I'm not overtrained, just slide right over my shoulder uh, or off my shoulder. Um, but uh, yeah, if you start feeling like you're ag- agitated and moody about uh, just things that you shouldn't be, uh, that's that's another good sign. Um, insomnia and restless sleep. Uh, yeah, this is one of the biggest ones. If uh, if you're training really really hard, you're doing two a days, three a days, and uh, but you can't sleep and you're you're exhausted, but you just can't sleep. That's another good sign. Um, or the restless sleep, you're constantly tossing and turning, waking up throughout the throughout the night. Uh, loss of appetite. Again, it's, it's these are all signs where when you're in it, you're kind of in a fog. You don't realize, um, but but just think if you're training really really hard and your 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 appetite's going down, something's not right. Um, if you're training really hard, you should have a good appetite. Um, nagging injuries really really common. It's going to be tendonitis, uh, shoulders, ankle, back, neck. Um, Again, it's not necessarily a tear or a big. This is the the reason why it's kind of tough is that you you will kind of ignore these things and uh, and they're part of the sport. You are going to have nagging injuries. It's just part of the game. Um, but what'll happen is as you're overtrained, the nagging injuries are going to accumulate and add up. Um, they're going to keep on adding up, keep on adding up. And the chance of you getting sick, like a, a cold or a flu or an infection, skin infection, that's going to go up too um, because it's it's harder for your immune system to fight things off. Um, so pay attention that um psychological stress uh, less desire and interest in the sport um that's that one right with the agitation and moodiness that's the one uh that's the probably the one that that i hate the most is yeah if you get to a really if you're really overtrained um because my favorite my i love like i love jiu-jitsu i love wrestling i love boxing i love kickboxing i love mma um if my if my love starts to for it starts to to go away um, I hate it. It's sad. It's depressing um, because I really like it so much, and it's it's really depressing when something that you that you love and that you care about so much, um, and, and and you you want to do it, but it, you can't. The feeling's not there. Um, that's one of the saddest things. So um, just know if you start feeling that again, it doesn't mean that you got to quit. Doesn't mean that you give up. Doesn't mean that like oh no, um, you know I've just I just don't like this anymore. It probably just means that you just you just been burning the candle on both ends a little bit too much. You just need to rest a little bit. Um, oh, uh, as well, uh, increased heart rate, uh, increased resting heart rate. Um, so that one you can get a heart rate monitor and check it out, and you'll you'll have to measure that to see. But yeah, increased uh, resting heart rate. There's actually I think it's. Uh, 
Steve Maxwell, uh, he's a, a trainer and a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Um, he has a lot of really good courses, but I think I believe it's Steve Maxwell. Uh, he's been on Joe Rogan's podcast probably two or three times also. Um, but uh, Steve Maxwell, he uh, I think he's big on the heart rate. Like in, in the morning when you first wake up, checking heart rate, and if the heart rate's elevated, that's how he programs uh, rest rest days in for his athletes. So if your if your resting heart rate is elevated, um, he'll say you know a lower intensity day or or an all all out just rest day. Um, all right. So we got the overtraining. We got the central nervous system fatigue. Uh, what do you do about it? Okay. Um, first thing, just understand, not every practice uh, is going to be a ten out of ten intensity. Uh, not every practice should be a ten out of ten. Um, that's why in the gym, we always have with with all of our classes, sparring is always optional. We can't monitor everybody's uh, fatigue levels and injury levels. It's impossible that we have too many people in the gym. So my sparring is always optional, and you want to be smart. So uh, lots of times people will either they either they're just fatigued or, you know, again, maybe you have a, a twisted ankle, uh, something like that. Um, I'm a big, big fan of studying film and drilling technique um, because those are both ways that you can increase skill without, uh, without having a chance of injury. Um, that's why I talk about studying film, watching the world championships, watching UFC fights, um, and also drilling. Um, sometimes they're not the most exciting thing to do. I understand sparring is the, the most exciting part. It's really, really fun. Um, but plenty of times, um, every practice can't be a 10 out of 10. You have to program some threes, some fours, some twos, a one, a seven, a eight, a nine, a 10, a two. Um, and after you have a 10, like maybe doing a three might be smart the next day. Um, not doing two nines back to back. Um, but that's the reason why we just have always have sparring is optional. Um, you can still come to class and just work the technical part of class. That way you're you're getting a skill increase. Um, but you also let your body rest. And then when you're when when everybody's sparring, if you watch sparring, um, you know if you utilize your mirror neurons that you have in your brain, watch sparring, pay attention while people are sparring, and uh, and you can learn a lot. It'll help your uh, help your jujitsu or uh, wrestling or muay thai. It's uh, across the board. Um, sleep eight hours. I know sleeping eight hours is difficult to do uh, with everybody's busy schedule, but um, you just you gotta try to make time for it um, as best you can. Uh, especially doing combat sports, you're engaged in something much more difficult than just sitting at a desk. Um, uh, there because there's the physical strain and the mental strain of of fighting uh, someone else. Um, uh, with your sleep too, uh, be careful with, um, cell phones and, uh, and TV on, uh, it's going to be, it's actually, it's pretty hard to get into a deep sleep with, uh, with your TV running, uh, while you're, while you're sleeping. Um, caffeine detox, uh, I love coffee. I, you know, I love coffee, um, but it is a good idea to do a caffeine detox. Um, you do got to be careful because caffeine, caffeine can cause withdrawal effects, so even if your caffeine detox is that you just um, you lower your your consumption for you know a week or two, um, if you can do a full detox that'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, caffeine uh, withdrawal uh, is is gnarly. It's not not a fun one to do. 
but uh, but caffeine uh, stimulates your central nervous system. So um, if you're if you're dealing with that fatigue, uh, it's a it's a common one of the common mistakes of once someone starts feeling this that kind of overtrained feeling. It, it's I do it all the time. Is what happens is that my performance starts to go down. I start getting more tired, more fatigued. Um, I'm less sharp. So what I tell myself is. Corey, you need to do more work. You need to train more. You need to do more rounds, more lifting, more sprints. Um, and so then I do that. I do more, 10, 20% more. Then I get even more tired and I get frustrated. I'm like, hey, what's going on? I'm doing more rounds. I'm sparring more. I'm doing more stuff. What's going on? So, okay, we need to do more. So then I do 10% more. Um, and I and I fall into the cycle uh, because I just ha- I have a habit of, um, of, of uh, overworking, being a workaholic. Um, so... I'm not telling. I'm not telling anybody anything that I don't need uh, to take my own advice or uh, take advice myself. Um, but um, it's uh, and coffee's a big one that we'll turn to. It's like okay, I'm tired. I'm gonna get a, get a big coffee. Sweet. Um, but you're. Uh, uh, it's a vicious cycle. Um, it's just a, a normal habit. Once you start, once the once the cycle starts, and you start feeling a little bit overtrained, uh, it's a natural habit to push even harder. Um, and probably this will be the biggest one. Um, is to do a to do a, a deload week. Um, it depends on your age, and it depends on your life stress and uh, and your and your physical conditioning level. Someone who's been training for five years can train uh, at a higher intensity than someone that's trained for three months. Um, someone who is uh, twenty years old um, can train at a higher intensity than someone who is uh, thirty five years old or forty years old, depending on athletic background. Um, so, uh, but with this, the, the deload week is taking three to five days of pure rest every six to 12 weeks. Um, so this week I actually, uh, have been doing a deload. I haven't been sparring. I've still been teaching classes, um, still in the gym, but just for, um, just uh, Monday to until um, till, till tomorrow's uh, Saturday, um, just five days, five days of uh, no lifting, no no really high intensity training. Um, but since January, I, th- I don't think I've taken more than two two days off from uh, from dynamic explosive training, whether it's sparring or lifting. I don't think I've taken yeah two days off, so. Um, I'm far overdue, so uh, that's the reason why I'm making this podcast. Is uh, I'm, I'm doing a deload, I'm doing a rest week, um, and the the cool thing is that when you do that, um, when you just rest a handful of days, three to five days, um, you'll you'll be able to stay in the game longer, and uh, the your excitement and your zest for the sport will come back. It'll it'll pop back up, and uh, and I, I started feeling it maybe just day three of resting. Day three of resting, I started kind of getting antsy, and I started like okay, all right, and I'm I'm you know, I started watching. I started watching moves. I wanted to spar, and then I had to tell myself, "said No, I'm, you're supposed to take uh, five days off." That's what you're saying. Five days rest. And uh, so, um, but again, once you start getting that overtraining mode, um, you don't want to study extra things, or you don't want to. You don't want to do put in extra rounds and spar. So, uh, it recharges the, uh, the your body. It allows you know if you got some tendonitis or. You got some muscle pulls that allows them to recover, and uh, most importantly, mentally, it, it re, re, uh, reinvigorates you, remotivates you. So clear clears your head. Um, uh, yeah, the last one on that is uh, on the advice is uh, don't try to push through it. Um, it's gonna if you try to push through, uh, you can push for so long, um, but it, you you want to do those deload weeks um, every so often, every 
six to 12 weeks. Um, just have, have a lower intensity uh, week, three to five days. Let yourself rest, let your mind rest, let your body rest. If you try to push through it, uh, high chance you're gonna cause yourself uh, an injury uh, or a mental burnout. And the mental burnouts, it, sometimes it's worse than, the, than an injury. Um, you know, like, you know, let's say you break, break a finger, uh, a broken finger, the recovery time isn't that long on a broken finger. Um, but if you psychologically break yourself, um, you can't, a lot of people just get burned out, I, especially uh, in the sport of wrestling. It's really common that like really, really good wrestlers, um, just, I had, I had several friends, amazing wrestlers, but they, and the reason why they're amazing wrestlers, cause they push so hard and they were so focused. Um, but then they finally got to a point, they got to a cracking point. And, and I have two good friends that were very, very good wrestlers. And to this day, um, they, they, they say they'll never wrestle again. They're like, no, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. And I'm talking about really, really good wrestlers. They're like, I hate it. I'll, I'll never do it again. Um, so you don't want to get to that point. Um, that's, uh, that's going too far. Um, so, uh, so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's the podcast on the, uh, overtraining. Hopefully it helps you out. And, um, yeah, if you're, if you're like me, um, and, uh, you, you accidentally overtrain all the time, uh, hopefully this helps you out. Um, closing notes. Oh, something, something I did have to, uh, mention the other day and I've, I've mentioned it a couple times, but just so I have it on the pad podcast, uh, with our warmups, make sure that we're warming up even on open mats, warm up for 10 to 15 minutes. Um, ideally I'd like you to. So just closing notes, um, some little, uh, just things to announcements for the gym. Um, sorry, I got cut off before on that podcast, um, uh, on that recording. Uh, but make, uh, so make sure that you warm up. Um, I'd prefer 10 to 15 minutes, even on open mat days. It's, uh, the warmups are designed for their basic drills. Um, the shrimp, the, the elbow escape, all that good stuff. After you train for six months, eight months, trust me, I, I get it. I was there too. I'd say, I'd say, hey, this is boring. I know how to shrimp. Um, there are They are a skill, and the skill takes much longer than you think to uh, actually master, and also skills to appreciate, so there's that, that side of it. But also, the warm-ups are designed um, to, to make your body be able to perform better. Uh, you never want to compete cold. Um, that's a surefire way to get yourself uh, to like throw up on the mat, or just you're not going to perform very well. Um, you, you need your engine to be warm. So 10 to 15 minutes of warm-up, I'd really prefer. I'll tell you like what I like to do. Um, I like to at least uh, at least have broken a sweat. I want to I wanna break a sweat. I want to have a little bit of a sweat before I'm going. I want to have already uh, been you know, breathing pretty hard um, before, uh, before, I, before I train. So unless I'm actually having to uh, protect myself or a family member, uh, I'm not fighting or engaging in any combat sports without a good warm-up. Um, so uh, we also have uh, next one, we got a grappling game September 14th. Uh, so that tournament's going to be up pretty quick. Uh, remember that it, it's a, it is a pre-registration tournament. You have to be registered a week prior to the tournament. That website is grapplinggames.org. Um, uh, and also uh, another big one is now that we're officially Team Zenith affiliated, 
um, we can now compete in the IBJJF tournaments, International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation tournaments, and in, uh, the Nashville Open is November 9th. It's going to be at the Williamson County Ag Expo uh, Center. Um, Nagas, uh, they actually do Nagas there um, as well. Um, so uh, that'll be a really cool tournament. Um, definitely, if you have interest in, interest in competing in that, let me know. Um, that's going to be a more difficult tournament. It's going to be a bigger tournament. If you're a white belt or blue belt, uh, you can definitely compete in it. It's just it's a it's a step up. The IBJJF is is a huge step up. It'll be a more difficult tournament, but the Nashville Open is is still a new tournament on the IBJJF scene. Um, so it's not it's it's gonna it's a perfect way to introduce yourself to the higher level competitions um, without you know going to the New York Open or the you know, European Open or Pan American Games. Those are going to be much much more difficult. But the Nashville Open be a great tournament, and uh, it'd be uh, it's 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 so much better if you like normal tournaments. Um, the just the the level of professionalism uh, is going to be so much higher, uh, and uh, and it's and it's a more difficult tournament as well. So it's a bigger challenge. Um, but if you're going to do that, you need to go to the IBJJF website. That's International Brazilian Jiu Jitsu Federation, IBJJF.com, I believe. Um, and you want to set up your profile. Um, I can't do this for you. I need you to I need you to go uh, set up your profile for your membership. There are gonna there are gonna be documents that you're gonna need to get. Um, you know your driver's license, um, driver's license. Uh, again, check it. it you also need uh, fo- you know passport photos. It's kind of it's about like getting a passport, your registration card. I think it might be fifty dollars uh, for the annual fee for your membership. Um, but it's going to take, it takes time. So, you know, it might take them four weeks to mail you your card. Um, but you want to do your profile now. There are going to be some things that as, uh, as, uh, the head instructor that I'll have to sign off for you, your belt lineage, things like that. I'll have to sign off. Um, but, um, even that part, you want to get those forms printed out, and uh, if you have those forms printed out, I can fill those out and I can sign those for you, and I can get that stuff. Um, uh, so the biggest thing is get your profile already. You can go in, make your profile. When you make your profile, it will let you know the information that you need, and it'll have the the files that you can download, the the application form that you can download, the things that you need me to sign off on, and. Uh, and all that good stuff, um, but it's going to take some time. You have to pre-register for IBJJF tournaments um, basically a month out. So before the tournament, you have to register far, not not a week in advance, not not some last day show up, uh, compete, um, sign up. You know that morning, you have to compete far in advance, and your registration card. You can't register without a registration card. So. That's why I'm saying it right now with the tournament coming up in November. So you have enough time to get your your profile done first, get the documents that you need together. Uh, I will have to sign off on some of the documents, and that way we can get them submitted. And if you're looking to compete in those tournaments, uh, um, yeah, we just want to get want to get on it right now. Uh, so definitely not procrastinate on that. It's not the toughest, not the hardest thing in the world. It's just some just some paperwork, and like all things, when you send into a big federation, um, it might take them two to four weeks to uh, to actually get the information processed and sent back to you. So uh, I hope that you enjoyed this uh, podcast episode. If you got any questions on the upcoming tournaments. Um, anything like that, just let me know. And uh, if you got questions or uh, future podcast ideas that you'd like me to do um, when you see me at the gym, just just say something to me or shoot me a text, and uh, I'll see if I can make a new episode about it. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed this. Hopefully it helps everybody out, and uh, see everybody next week. Thanks. Bye.